All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the Kendra Crump Show. We have always a special guest. You know, whenever I can get folks, because, you know, people are booked and busy out here. I'm out here going after millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires. And actually, I got a trillionaire on my line. All right. If you guys don't know, uh, this is somebody who uh, actually used to, you know, uh, pimp slap uh, uh, Diddy back in the day. Like when Diddy looked at him crazy. He he gave him pimp slap. He he let him know what time it was. All right. He actually used to run with 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 Tupac, you know, and 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 they used to shoot dice with each other, you know. And after he retired from doing thug activity, okay, he actually worked with Neo. Y'all know Neo. Y'all should know Neo. Come on now. He worked with Mario. You know, you, you should know him as well. All right. And and he you know was bodyguard of Faith Evans back in the day. All right. <laughs> And on, on top of that, he, he's a part of the Black Men Don't Cheat movement. All right. And if you guys don't know who I'm talking about, uh, we have Terrell T-Rex Simon in the building. I hope you like the little introduction. I try to spice it up for people, let folks know, you know, to, to give you give you as much hype as I can. I hope, I hope that I was... Mean, what, can, what can I say? I'm a man of many talents, man. I sing, I bodyguard, I tap dance, I... I box, I ski, I play basketball, I'm a football player, I do it all. Hey, listen, that that's that's it. That's it. You listen, <laughs> listen, uh, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. So I wanted um I wanted to, you know, go ahead. First off, I do appreciate you taking y'all, let me tell y'all how how amazing this man is. Okay. Typically when you try to reach out to people who have a very large following that he didn't buy, okay, these are real followers, okay? Because you got some 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 entertainers out there that that buy their followers to make themselves still look relevant. Anyway, uh we're not gonna say names. We're not gonna say names. You know, but but his uh, his his followers are, are very, you know, authentic and I'm sure after this episode post, he'll have a hundred thousand more followers, you know, because he, he's just popping like that. So one thing I do appreciate is that he, you know, reached back out within the same day. And I'm like, oh man, I like you. I, hope, I know your credit score is an 850 because you're just responsible. Okay. So <laughs> my, my mouth to my mouth to God's ears, but I do really appreciate you uh, taking your time out, you know, and, and doing yeah, this with me. Know, I believe in checking my emails. I believe in checking my messages and I believe in, in I believe in responding immediately. Um, I, I think sometimes a lot of artists be so slowful with checking our emails and getting back to people. You know, you can miss your blessing. You never know who's hitting you or what, what can happen. So you got to be on point. And let me ask you something. Where did that actually, was that trial and error or did who, who taught you to actually do that? Because a lot of people do not understand and recognize how important it is to give back to people in a timely manner. Well, you know, uh, I don't think it was trial and error. Um, I just think from a kid, from 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 a little kid, like I've been performing since a kid, and I've just been raised um, to be on point, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say it's trial and error. I've just always been like that. From a kid, I've always been on top of my business. I've always been just that guy, not slow for way to go, check it, you know. And and I just from seeing and 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 just uh, seeing other people, I know you got to you got to stay on top of it. <clears throat> so yeah. you so, t- you talk not really trial air. I, I was just brought up like this. Just my, I was trained to just be real responsible with my business. And so growing up, what tell tell the people uh, where you uh, born and raised? Where were you you know originally from and everything? Uh, I was born and raised in Troy, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
not New York City. It's totally different. You know, it's upstate. <laughs> Substate New York is a totally different, you know, it's more country, you know, more suburbs. Um, and uh, I moved to New York City uh, after I graduated high school, you know, because I knew, I was like, it ain't going to happen here. I got to get to New York City. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Troy, that sounds like a small town where somebody owes you money, you know where to find them. Am I correct? Or it's not as, it's a little bit bigger. <laughs> they say it means temptation rules over you. I was like, oh, oh. no, I got to get out of here. Okay. <laughs> as soon as I got out of high school, I was like, uh-uh. Let me get to the city where I know I can make something happen. Okay, okay, Temptation. So it was the original Sin City before Sin City became over in Vegas, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they say you get caught up in Troy and you don't get out of there. You know, and I was just like, uh-uh, I'm getting out of here. So as a child, you say you had you you were very talented. You started off doing so. Was singing yeah. the what were some of the uh, first talents that you discovered, or had somebody discover within you? Said, bro, you you know you got a you got a gift there. What was like the first ones uh, that you singing. remember having? Okay, it, it was singing. Um, going to church. You know, I didn't really like going to church, mm-hmm. and the only thing in church that would really grab my attention was the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started singing as a kid, and then. Uh, a lady in the church was doing a program one day and she's like, we're going to let you sing a solo. And I did, um, I believe the children are our future by Whitney Houston. And the whole church was just like, Oh my God, this little kid is good. Mm-hmm. And right then, uh, my grandmother, she became like my manager and, uh, you know, churches would call me from all different around the area to be their special guest and to be their special guest lead. And my grandmother just taught me, be on time, be dressed. When they say it's time to go, it's time to go. And she would sit there with me, you ready? You know, all right, come on, time to go now. You know, so from a kid, I've been trained. But singing was the first thing. And then dancing. I started dancing um, at a young age. So I joined this uh, Detroit Boys and Girls Club we had. And they had a dance group there called Charisma. And I ended up joining Charisma and getting trained with dance and just doing competitions all over the place on TV. So I kind of like started dancing and singing like as a kid professionally, <clears throat> traveling the world and doing competitions and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Grant, you mentioned your, you, well, a couple points I want to hit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned church. When did yes. when did you know God was real for yourself? Like without you know your grandmother, or other people. Like when did you have that awakening moment? I think I was like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the church, and I was a good guy. I was getting good grades. I was going to school, and you know, a, a lot of my family members were involved in the drug business and in the streets. And as I got older. You know, I started wanting to be cool, hang out, and um, I ended up, like, on this, you know, selling drugs. And actually, so, you know, I was selling crack. People don't believe me. I was like, yo, I was 12 years old on the block selling crack. All my <laughs> friends that know, that know me know. Um, but I was out. I was out there. Mm-hmm. And not really knowing the game, you know, just wanting to be cool and sell drugs and have the latest this and that. And, um... I ended up messing up this guy's money from New York City one time, mm-hmm. and they was trying to kill me. Mm. Over a hundred dollars, mm. you know, sucking me into this house and put pulled a gun on me, had me against the wall. Like it was just crazy. I was like sixteen, and I said, "Rex, what are you doing with your life, bro? Yo, you out here, you 
You're so talented. You can sing. You can dance. You out here selling drugs, getting you running from causing all kinds of problems in my family. You know, you running from these dudes, the older money. Like you got to get it together. My grandmother again came to me and she said, um, after a big thing had went down with my family and these drug dealers, she was like, you should go with me to revival tonight. And mm-hmm. I was like. Yeah, let me let me go to revival. I need to. I got to get my life together. And that night, I went to revival and got saved. And that night, I'll never forget. That was the night that I truly seen God and felt God truly for myself. And ever since then, I've been on the path, you know, to just to be better, to be a better person, to be a better me, to live right, you know, and live by God. Amen. Amen. Um. You mentioned was your grandmother, did she actually raise you like or would you just go to her house during summers or weekends? Well, we had a we had we had a three story house. Mm-hmm. And mom lived on the third floor. My grandmother lived on the second floor, and my great grandmother lived on the first floor. So as a kid, you know, we in this whole house, I just go from floor to floor. You know, my mother be working, I'll be at my grandmother's house. This grandma be that grandma be at the, uh, that grandmother's house. So we all were in one um, building, you know, with, with different floors to mm-hmm. it. So they pretty much practically raised me. Then my mom went to the Army for a little while. So my grandmother was was real important in raising me. She was there and, and getting me to church. Now, with your mother going to the Army... Um... Was it like more so, you know how like you like army brat in a sense like that, or you can pretty much stay um, in the same state that you initially are, were enlisted yourself in? Was it like that where your mother did move around or, or she pretty much stayed in the same state? Yeah, she went, we were in New York. She went to North Carolina. She was based out in North Carolina mm-hmm. and she went out there. I forgot what they call that. Basic training when you first go for like six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. She did. She went and she did her, you know, initial time. And then she came home and she was like, I got to raise my child. I can't be running out here. My mom was also a nurse. Okay. So she went back to uh, being an LPN and being a nurse. So she was gone for a little while, but not too long. Got my you. grandmother, got of, you. of course, held it down. <laughs> gotcha. And I'm the only child, too. So not like I have brothers and sisters. You know, it's just me. You got you guys didn't have any pets? Or you did you have like your imaginary friends or what what would you do to like keep your you know who, who like or any cousins around the block? Yeah, big family. So my cousins was always around. I had I got like eighty cousins. You okay. know, my mom had a bunch of brothers and sisters, my dad got a bunch of brothers and sisters, and then they had a bunch of kids. So it was always kids around, you know, I was always at my cousin's house, always at this house. And it was telling my mother, You need to have another child. That boy's lonely. My mother said, Okay. She said, Well, we gonna get him a cat, so she. I ended up getting a cat. Okay, cat, cat man. Okay. Yeah, Snoopy. It was black and white. We called him Snoopy, and that was the closest thing that I had to, you know, a friend or, you know, which kind of, you know, in my older years became a problem because you know you you become like this needy person, mm-hmm. you know, and I being alone to never want to be alone, and that just became a real big issue. Now I'm back alone by myself. <laughs> when did you, when did you finally, when were you able to finally break that being alone? Like you'd say, okay, I can, I'm, I'm a break free from this, me not being needy. When did you get to that realization where, okay, I have to break this, you know, chain that has, it's, it's over me. When did you get to that point? 
you know what? The more and more popular and the more and more famous I got, uh, the more and more jealousy, the more and more things started happening around me. And I could start to see that I was on my way down from just the company that I was keeping. Um, regard, you know, whatever the situation was, um, I was ready just to keep it moving and keep it going higher and moving forward. And just had a lot of people around me that didn't have the same mindset. Um, so this was just basically recently. But I was the type of guy, everywhere I went, I had 15 people with me. You know, even in my house, you wake up and be people on my floor, people on my couch. You know, friends just always around. Like, I just always didn't want to be by myself. Mm -hmm. And then um, with all, you know, when stuff started happening and this friend backbiting you and you finding out that this person wasn't really your friend and you loving and taking care of people and friending all these people that really behind your back, it just, you know, so as God started to expose these things to me, and this is recently, probably about the last three, two, three years. Mm. Um, and 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 he, when God do something, he do it. He just thought half of them moved away. That one moved, that one moved. Most of mine didn't have to do nothing. God was taking care of it for me. This one moved away, that one moved away. And then, um, you know, it, it, the, the music business is crazy, man. And you, you, you wonder, you see, you know, Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. the richest guy in the world all the fans and when he died he was by himself mm-hmm mm -hmm. Whitney Houston the biggest star when she died she was by herself Prince we can go down the the, the line these are the richest most populous famous people in the world why are they alone that's There's true nobody that's I mean true. there was a nobody nowhere y'all dying by us it just gets real lonely because you you start not to trust people, and it's just a lot of things that go on in the behind the scenes, and you you just rather just be by yourself. You know what? That's 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 real. You know what's so crazy? I had this thing about myself where I was like, oh, you know, I want. I had I actually thought for so long that I wanted everybody I came across to be my friend. You know, because I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, go, go ahead and laugh. Go ahead and laugh. You know, because I was like, oh, I don't want, I don't want any enemies. I don't want no one to, to sit here and plot on me, whatever else it may be. But you know, you, you got to watch your friends too, man. You, you know, and then on top of that, and they will. small said it, people want to smoke blunts with you. Now they want to grab a knife and come and get you. That's, and I've had true. crazy experience with the, the people that I thought was my closest friends. Mm-hmm. You come to find out, God say, you know, I'm your, your closest friend, you know. So now I don't mind being by myself. I don't mind. I'll go out. I'll travel. I go alone. I'll be by myself. Have a good time. You know, I get out. I meet people. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he took away that longing of just being needy and needing to have people like around me and mm -hmm. with me all the time. <clears throat> no, that's no. And that's true. And then, you know, Tupac also said the realest people don't have a lot of friends, man. And it's okay to not have, or I, you know what I used to get upset as well was the fact that my phone, you know, my text messages, uh, there it's dry. Like I'm, I'm typically always the one reaching out to people. Right. And then I'm like, man, I won't, why can't my phone, you know, be blowing up, but then it will on Instagram. My Instagram DMs <laughs> be crazy. You know, <laughs> you know I'll, do a show, I'll give you a show. 
You know, I can unlink the radio. I give you the link the radio. You know, I do it. You know, I'm just that type of person. Like I'm a giving person. Like, mm-hmm. and I want to see everybody win. But when it when you start to see that you're giving and giving and giving and giving, and it's not being reciprocated, like you go, you know what? I'm out. I gave you that link, and I just see you got that link, and you're gonna not gonna return. The, you know, as things start going, you just be like, okay, now nah, I can't, I can't do that. <clears throat> You know, one thing you don't you don't want to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. They will. People will take advantage of you now. You if they if they lot they will do that. They will do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come in sheep. They, what they say they look like um, dressed in sheep and uh, wolf. They come like wolves dressed in sheep clothing. Yeah, yeah. Bible talks about that. <laughs> let me let me let me let me ask you let me ask you this question. When was the very first time, if not the first time, the most memorable time? When you actually did realize people don't care about you. These so-called friends are really like your enemies. When did you first have that aha moment? Like a story when that happened? Well, honestly, I've always felt that way. Kind of certainly people. But with, I had a very, 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 very close friend. That was a like, close, close friend of mine. I can't say the name. No, don't don't say, don't um, don't say names. Yeah, def, I don't, I don't want you. I don't want you, you getting sued for defamation of character, yeah. even though it's true. Yeah. Like you got receipts. Somebody <laughs> I worked for, and I mean, I just gave my all, like sacrificed, cried. I mean, just went through turmoil to make sure that this person was good, mm-hmm. and come to find out you know this person this was recent maybe my maybe two years two years ago this person that was my friend over 20 years mm-hmm. come to find out wasn't really my friend you know just using me you know for whatever they could get out of me to benefit them um and it's it's, it's a hurting sad thing mm-hmm. you know and but then you know you you come to realize you be like, God, man, there's nobody that I can trust but you. You know, you we put our trust in people. We put our trust in things. And God will make a situation happen just to show you that I am God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you got your trust and you got your trust and hope in all of these other people. But I'm going to show you that I'm the, I'm, I'm the one that got your back 100%, mm-hmm. you know. So sometimes God, uh, you know, will make situations happen just to show you or prove to you, you know, who he is. And um, at the end of the day, we still got to have a forgiving heart, you know, so, you know, you can't be hating because that stuff will make a mess you up. You know, you you so you get mad and you hating on the person. Other person went on with their life and even think about it. You sitting over here mad and hateful and God can't bless you because you have all this unforgiveness. So. You know, it's a, it's a mature state. You you realize what's going on. You say, "Hey, you know what, my brother? You know, you you might have did you did me wrong, but you know what? I still love you. We all make mistakes, and um, you know, you just it have to. You got to be mature about it. So it hurts, you know, but we know that God is is he's a keeper, man, and he'll keep your heart, he'll keep your mind, and that's why it's just so close to have to be to have a relationship with him mm-hmm. you know he'll, he'll he'll bring a side out of it that you wouldn't understand you say you know what well why did they and he'll say you know what well this is this is why they're like that and you can go back and say oh that's why they're like that 
Maybe it's the environment they were raised in. They just don't know no better. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that that's it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Have you since mm-hmm. since that incident had happened? Did you uh, seek therapy, or how did you how did you? What were steps of healing? What what were your ways of healing from the situation, or are you still healing from it? I'm still healing from it, but I had to totally block this person out. Okay, that was my way of 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 healing it of healing mm-hmm. to totally take them off my Instagram, totally take them off out my phone, mm-hmm. totally just I had to exclude one hundred percent myself from that situation so that I could take the time to necessary time that I needed to heal without going back and forth and seeing this person and you know, so and I'm I'm still like kinda like healing from it, you know. But that's that's how I had to do it, man. I just had to like just totally just like cut it completely off. Mm-hmm. And not be able to see it or be around it and, and go the other way. And would you would you also say you had to cut the the people associated with that person as well off, or is it just just so you won't be reminded of them as, as well as that another way? Or you're like, no, nah, they didn't. The, the family members or the other friends didn't do nothing. Let me just cut this person off. Yeah, just the one person. Okay. Look, I, listen. You know, I, everybody's different. Some people once once they upset with you, they unfriend everybody you associate with. Like, what did I do? I just said hey to you the first yeah. time. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like that. I'm like, nah. I, you, I, you can't suffer for what they did. You know, uh-huh. I don't want nobody to be mad at me for something that somebody else did. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the person. Just yeah. Gotta go. And I just can't be. You know, not forever. You know, uh-huh. maybe one day. And you know, I'm in New York City. You can't be in New York City without hearing that. No, of course. No, of course. Well, let me let me let me let me ask you this. I want I wanted you know kind of backtrack with you said that by twelve at twelve years old because I wanted you know just get into a little bit. Twelve years old was the first time you started selling uh, drugs. Was it a fam? Was it what was it a family member? Was it a good friend of yours at the time who said, "Hey, man, you want to put be put onto this?" Or were you like, "Let me just see what the hype is about. Let me see." I was. You were. What in what motivated you to say, "Hey, let me just go ahead and and sell crack"? Well, I've always been a mature for my age. So even though I was eleven, I was hanging with sixteen and seventeen year old cousins, mm-hmm. and they were all doing it, and we was all getting money, and 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 most of our parents at the time were doing drugs mm. um so they weren't really you know we were growing we weren't sure for our age um you know we weren't like bad running around shooting people and you know being a chaos we were mature young drug dealers mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and it wasn't my cousins that said here you take this just me being around it and and i learned who they was getting it from and i said you know what Hey, I'm, I'm everybody else doing. It, I'm gonna do it too. And once I learned where to get it from, I took it upon myself to to do it. But being around in that environment, they didn't stop me. They didn't go, "Oh no, cuz you can't. You shouldn't be." No, okay, cuz come on, let's get this money. Now I'm getting money with them. Uh, did did so, you did? Let me let me ask you this. Did you have? You know how there's always an OG who tells you, "Hey, man." You know, stay away from this. There's always that one OG. Did you have that OG, or was it like pretty much? you on your own in that sense I didn't have no old, I didn't have nobody telling me that yeah and my mom was working and she was married at the time and you know just busy working and trying to take care of the house so she really wasn't on me 
you know, and me growing up being such a good kid, nobody believed that I would be doing something like that anyway. You know, so I was really sneaking around and doing it. You know, people knew my cousins and uncles, you know, but at that time, it was just the thing to do. I didn't have anybody around saying, you shouldn't be doing that. Because my family, my uncles and my aunts, I was selling to my uncles and my aunts. Hmm. They was happy that they was getting drugs from me. So we, everybody happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to laugh about that. But when you laugh, I said, okay, I can, I can kind of laugh a little bit. <laughs> How? <laughs> How? This is the only got the truth. You, you know, I used to sell onto my uncles. I'm 12, selling crack to my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really didn't even have to leave my house. You know, my steps. And how did I do it all these years sneaking that past my mother? I tell my mother that now. She was like, what? You was doing what? Well, I'm I'm glad. Listen, I'm glad you 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 know you can keep it real with moms now. Some people, some people just you know they try to they try to die with certain yeah, information. Now, look, you can't, ain't nothing you can do now. You know <laughs> they still afraid. They still afraid even as an adult of of their parents. Now, now you said your mother. Okay, wait. Couple things. Your father. Where uh, did you like? Were your parents ever before your mother got married? Were your parents uh, married or was it just like they were just boyfriend girlfriend? You know, loved each parents other. Were- but boyfriend and girlfriend, and they separated when I was like two. Okay. Um, my dad was always around. Mm-hmm. He's actually dead now. He passed about twenty years ago. My condolences. Um, yeah, my dad. Not talking bad about him, but you know he was alcoholic and the drugs, mm-hmm. and whatever he was going through, you know, just really took him all the way down. Um, but I've had stepdad. You know, mom had. I've had stepfathers. My mom got married after him. Um, and the guy that she's with now, she's been with about 20 years. Um, but after my dad left, I think it wasn't no, my mother was the type, don't tell my son nothing. I didn't get, that ain't your child. That's my son. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was the type of kid, you ain't my dad. I ain't listening to you. You know, dad gone, ain't no dad here, and you're not gonna come in here. You're not my real dad. You're not gonna tell me what to do. So, it's been father figures around, but not really that a father figure got it even even though your father your biological dad was you know an alcoholic and he had other uh stuff that was going on did you guys ever go fishing what 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 would you typically like any positive i don't don't know i don't hopefully i'm saying this right any positive no let me tell you this me and my dad didn't do nothing okay we didn't we didn't do a thing Mm -hmm. um he knew I was a singer, talented dancing, but he was heavy into the streets. But my dad's family was a my his side family, my grandmother, his mom. I was always with them. You know, I was always with my dad's sister and the kids. So and, you know, my dad was just always around, and he took well care of me, even though he didn't see me. Through, I got a child support check every every two weeks. Okay, cool. All the way up, all the way up until he died. You know, he would still bring me gifts. You know, for Christmas. So. Even though we didn't really do anything together financially, mm-hmm. you know, I really can say that all the way up until he died, I was getting them checks. The day that you found out about his passing, um, was it from, uh, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what exactly uh, was the cause of his death? Okay. Um, I had just moved to New York City. I was 21. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'll be 42 this year. Okay. Woo-woo. <laughs> listen, woo-woo. Listen, we almost at the AARP card age. How's it feel? They called me and they said, your father is in the hospital. And um, you need to get back. I just got to New York. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, God, my dad's in the hospital. And I got to the hospital. He had alcoholism. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find my dad in, in for a few days. And I'm like, Rex, where is your father? We haven't seen him. And when they finally went in his house, my, they said my dad was on the couch. Blue. Mm. But alive. And still drinking. Mm. Still drinking. And so when he got to the hospital, you know, they tried to, you know, sometimes if your heart is weak or your system is too weak enough and they try surgeries on you, you if you can't make it, you can't make, you won't make it. So I got to the hospital and they said, really, he waited for me to get there. I got to the hospital and um, he was just so happy to see me, you know, plugged up to where everything. <gasps> and that night I went home, home to my mom's. They called me the morning and said that he was gone. Mm. On top of being a diabetic, mm. you know, so that's that's why I'm just like so. I'm I'll be forty two this year. People are like Rex, you do not look forward to you. You're in your twenty. No, I'll be forty two this year. The way he went out, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. Like I'm just so <laughs> cautious about my health and things like that because it's just I can't go out like that. That's respect. That's real. That's real. Um, 16, you leave, uh, for, wait, how, how's your, your aunt and uncle who you sold the crack to, how are they doing? Like, are they, how, like over the years, how, how have they been doing? Still on it. Mm. 20 years later. Do you try to help them or you got to the point where you say, you know what? There's, there's no, nothing I, I can do. When I, when I first got saved, you know when somebody first gets saved, you be on fire. And everybody's the devil. I went through that phase. Mm-hmm. When I first got saved, I was like, oh, now you need to get saved. And then as I started getting older and going through situations in life and, and learning and seeing for myself, I started to see it's not it's not that simple. When you're addicted to something, you're addicted. Mm-hmm. And it's not even you anymore that, that wants this. It's It's the drug calling you. So, you know, a lot of times we mad at the person, but once they get that drug and they get addicted, it's now outside of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just it just it's just a hard thing to kick once you're addicted. Addiction. Mm-hmm. And you can say, you know, drugs is addiction, but anything that you can be addicted to, you can be addicted to Pepsi. Addiction, period. Once you're addicted to something, it's hard to get off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them just fighting that fight, man. And they're still fighting it. Did you have an addiction that you were able to, you know, go cold turkey on? A lot of addictions. Um, cocaine. Um, weed. Liquor. Um, now, I will have a drink. 
every now and then, still, mm-hmm. you know. And I may even smoke a blunt every now and then, still, but it's under control. You know, at one point, it was out of control. I was touring, touring the world, got in the music business, and just, the, you know, that life that they push at you when you, you know, because I'm saying gospel, but I started out on the R&B and the hip-hop world. Mm-hmm. You know, traveling, traveling with Life Jennings and just touring, you know. And uh, it's about fun. You know, you get to L.A. and Coke is not something that's considered, oh, my God, he's doing cocaine. It's a fashionable, pleasant drug that you, everybody does at the parties. Yeah. Well, a rich, I think that it's called a rich white man's drug or so. Yeah. You know, but... You, you, before you know it, you'll be addicted and not even knowing you're addicted. You know, you start doing it on the weekends, then it's Monday, you're still doing it. Then it's Tuesday and you're still doing it. Mm-hmm. It's Wednesday, Thursday, now you're doing it all week. You know, before you know it, you done, you know, you're way out there. Mm-hmm. So, again, my dad is, and the way he went out stops me, pauses me a lot. Because I'll go away with it. Okay, Rex. <laughs> You, you went too far, bro. You do not want to go out like that. So I had to go cold turkey. I just quit. Really? You didn't? You didn't go to uh, rehab or anything? Nah, I didn't go to rehab or nothing. Because it, you know, I wasn't out selling my body. You know, I wasn't out fiending. But I didn't have to do it because I was torn. And I was making money. You know, so I didn't really have to be out fiending. Maybe if I wasn't torn making money, I would have been out like that. Mm-hmm. But um. And then the fact of having this, my job, me having to sing, me having to be on TV and having to be in front of people and present myself, you know, you don't want to look crazy. So it's a lot of things that contributed to my soberness. <laughs> and that and that was going to be my next question. Could people tell, like, that you were on drugs or could people, could you know, were you showing up late? Was it affecting your performance? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's part of the best part performance part of my life. <laughs> That's real. You know, but it do start taking an effect on your vocals as years go by. Mm-hmm. So you know, my voice is pretty good right now, but because of the drugs and the drinking and the partying, you know, I lost a lot of range and a lot of areas in my voice that I can no longer go to. Um, because of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I say, you know what? God probably got my voice where it is right here because this is where he wanted it. <laughs> gotcha. You know? that's, that's real. <laughs> when did you, well, let me ask you this question. Okay, yeah. 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you're 16. You go, you know, got, go to the revival. Now you're saved, all yeah. that type of stuff. The, um, you graduate high school. As soon as you graduated high school, is that when you, um, when the record, you know, company start coming around when it came to, you know, signing your name and like the managers, like when did that, at what age did that come about? Well, I, um, you know, I told you my grandmother was my manager. Then I yeah. was a dancer, you know, as a kid, all of that, that, that. But when I graduated from high school, I said, um, you know, from watching MTV, as a kid, you know, you see everybody move to New York City. So that's what I did. I ended up uh, meeting this guy named Danny Easton, 
who had a community choir, you know, like Hezekiah Walker. Mm-hmm. He was big back then. And they were traveling around, and he offered me a, pos- a position, a lead singer position in his choir. So that's what got me to New York City. Um, I started traveling with his choir, and I moved here. And I just started, I just got on the streets of New York. I was going to the open mic. I was going to every, anything that I could sing at, I would get, I would sing at. And then one day this girl in my church came to me and she said, you know, I have a friend that works at Sony. You should meet him. She had seen me singing in church every Sunday. And I was like, oh, okay, I, let me, let me meet him. She said, I'm going to invite him to your next concert. I was doing R&B concert showcases. And this guy named Phil, who I still work with to this day, came to my showcase and he was like in the royalty department at Sony. He wasn't like, you know, one of the A&Rs, but he was in the office and around people. And he came and see me. He was like, oh man, I would love to work with you. Me and him started working together. Now at this time, Life Jennings had just got out of doing 10 years in prison. Mm-hmm. So when I moved, got out of high school, moved to New York, Life Jennings at the same time was getting out of Ohio doing 10 years in prison. We both moved to the same area in Brooklyn at the same time. He started doing the Apollo and he started winning week after week after week after week after week and ended up getting a record deal with Sony. And at the time, my friend was working at Sony that came and seen me. I started working with him. And um, he said, you know, we got this new guy, Life. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, y'all sign Life? That's the guy from the Apollo. He was like, yeah. I said, yo, if you ever hear that he's looking for background singers, let me know. Fast forward six months down the line, he called me 8 o'clock in the morning one morning. T-Rex, Life is here. And he's looking for background singers. Get up right now. You got to run down there. So I jumped. I'm like, oh, okay, let me. I jumped up, put my clothes on, went down to the studio, and I got there. And it was like 100 people there. Uh, Life had not came out with his first album yet. And he was like, he's looking for three, you know, three background singers. And I was like, man, I thought it was just going to be me. I got to compete with all these 100 people. Make a long story short, I ended up winning the competition out of the 100 people. And that's when it all started. I ended up meeting Life, started rehearsing with Life, and... That's when it's, that's when it all started for me. <clears throat> okay, all right, look yeah, at that. He put me on the board with him. We went on tour. We started touring. We started working on his debut album, and that's where it all started. Two thousand and three. All right, two thousand three. Throwback. Mm-hmm. Throwback. Okay. All right. Now let me ask you something like this: Do you typically do a, a yearly celebration? you know, on the, on the anniversary of when it happened? Like, what do you typically do each year around, like, in that month, you know, to, like... You know, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't even remember the month. <laughs> I can't even remember, like, the month. I just know the year, 2003. Um, but I can't remember the exact month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, nah, I don't really... I don't celebrate it um, on a yearly basis. Okay. Okay. Got you. Got you. Um, I do, you know, cause I, I know that we're going to, cause there, there's so much more I wanted to say and I know we're going to probably be here till the next day. Cause you are just like a very, you're an interesting person, man. You're, you're, you're an interesting person. You know, typically when I do these interviews, I'm like, Oh shoot, Tom is coming up. Oh my gosh. But you are, you're interesting. I wanted to, you know, at least let your, the audience, the people who haven't heard of you, the people who are your fans, like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't know this about him. I try to go to the yeah. nitty-gritty. And we're saying a lot now that they probably don't know. Yeah, and... and, and I'm talking about me. 
but not into like detail like this. <clears throat> so this is good. No, of course. You know, we got to tell our stories, man. People got to hear our, our testimonies. You know? uh, of course. Of course. Because, you know, yeah, people people, people people will just sit here and, and, you know, ask a little basic questions, but they're not getting into how did it actually happen. Now, I do want to ask you this question. While you were in the choir, uh, you know, kind of, you know, before you uh, uh, met old girl who was like, hey, I got a friend who works for Sony type thing. Did you have a job or uh, did the choir yeah. like, did they like pay you say, hey, here's, you know, $100 a week yeah. or so? They didn't pay me nothing. Um, let me tell you, I moved to New York City, and I said, you know what? I moved to New York City. I packed my car up, and my family was like, oh, he'll be back. Uh-uh, I ain't dropping. They gonna come back. I'm gonna get out of here. I packed my car up, mm-hmm. got to New York. I said, I'm gonna get me an apartment. And I looked in, and I said, wait a second. A one-bedroom studio, a whole cost, $1,500 a month? Mm-hmm. No degree? How, how am I gonna make this so, you know, when you're in New York City, you group up with other friends and you guys become roommates. So you'll get a, you know, two or three bedroom apartment and, you know, you'll split it. So it's like four. So you end up paying like the regular price. But I was, a, I ended up getting a job. One of my friends at the church in the choir that I was singing with worked at a law firm as a bill collector. So when I moved here, I said, yo, he said, I can get you a job as a bill collector at my, at my firm. And I was like, really? I said, okay, let's do it. So yeah, I was a bill collector. Okay, bill collector. When? How? How? How long? How long did you stay? How? What would you say was your final strike before you left that job and said, "I'm, I'm getting out of here"? Like, what? How many? If you remember, how many months or years did you stay on that job before you like? Stop? I got there in 2001. Actually, I got there. Um, I was at, I was I was in the World Trade Center. When the trade wow. center fell down, I was. I had just started work, um, so that was two thousand and one, and then I ended up getting fired because I was young and didn't want to go to work. It was partying, so I was there about a, a year and a half. Okay, and that's um, good. And then, then from then, my mom, you know, she was the nurse. She was making a whole bunch of money. She was sending me money every week. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. There you go. You know, for me to get by. Um, but I got fired from that job, and I ended up meeting life. And I was homeless when I met life. Hmm. And I remember one day we were going home from rehearsal, and life was like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "Man, I've been sleeping on the trains." Da da da. He was like, "Bro, go get your stuff," and I ended up moving in with him. And he pretty much took care of me. You know, I was working. Mm-hmm. Um, for him, but we became family. You know, he was in prison, didn't really have a lot of friends. You know, and you, you know, people go in prison, come out, they're real, they're to themselves. Mm-hmm. So because we rehearsing, we torn so much, we ended up becoming family. And he, uh, I moved in with him, and pretty much was working with him and stayed with. Then I ended up becoming his assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, his road manager. So. You know, he moved me in with him, and I was with, I was living, staying with him for years and years. Mm-hmm. That's that's that's, yeah. that's family. That's family for life. One last question, and then we're gonna get to the uh, a fast five random polling questions for you. Um, and there is no there is no wrong or right answer. So that one last question. You said that you were homeless. Was it an ego thing as to why you never 
made it back home because once your folks say, oh, you'll be back, was the ego thing like, I'm approved to them, even if I am Listen, homeless? Let me tell you this. It was ego. Mm-hmm. Um, I had got to one day, let me tell you something, you know, I, and this is so embarrassing. It's okay. I, I was um in the streets, taking showers when I could, you know, staying at this person's house, this person's house, this person's house. You know, not staying nowhere too long because I didn't want to get on nobody's nerves. So I had a bunch of friends. I was just going to stay one night there, mm-hmm. one night here. You know, every night I was asked a place to go. But, you know, I um, it was getting rough. And I went to one of my friend's house and took off my shoes. And let me tell you something. my It stuck up the whole house. <laughs> they were like, whose feet is that? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not a dirty person. I grew up in a clean house, clean family, you know, but I'm out here struggling not being able to take showers, you know, got my bags and storage, you know, just like trying to figure it out. And I did want to go home because I was like, I'm really not homeless because I can just go home. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to... And then one day came and I was at my last and I remember just crying and I'm going to tell you this. I was about to call my mom. And because if my family knew I was homeless out here, they would have been like, boy if, you don't, boy, if you don't get home. I was got to my wits end. I was getting ready to call my mom. And my phone rang. Mm-hmm. And it was Ashanti. And Ashanti, I had met friends with a choreographer. And he said to me, Rex, Ashanti wants you to sing background for her. She wants you to come in and audition. And I said, are you serious? He was like, yeah. This is, I'm telling you, I was getting ready to call my mother till I was coming home. And I went the next day with Ashanti. I called my mom. I was like, Ma, Ashanti just called me. I need some money. Like, I'm, I just got a gig. Da, 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 da. I went to that Ashanti gig, and I was rehearsing with her for like a week. And then I met Life Jenny. And ended up leaving Ashanti to go with you know, not working with Ashanti and going on and going off with life changing. <clears throat> Look at that. Look at God, man. That's that's what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, hey man, shout shout out. Shout out to all these people. That's what I'm talking about. Shout out to God, man, making this all happen. So let's go ahead yeah. and I'm I'm gonna ask I was on my way home. I said, No, I can't no no, I'm done now. Ego done, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the street, just walking lost, crying in the middle of Brooklyn. Just lost. Mm-hmm. Just lost. And my phone rang. And it was just to give me hope because my ultimate, my destination, ultimate destination wasn't Ashanti. And that's why I tell people, you just got to keep working because you don't know God can bless you at any given moment. At any time, your phone can ring and change your life. Mm-hmm. And that phone call changed my life. That's real. There, hey, there, there it is. That's motivation for the people. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you three questions. Three, three just random polling questions. There is no wrong or right answer. And then I want you, okay. you know, to. Uh, I'll definitely drop, you know, your your links and everything in the show notes once this um, uh, once once this you know hits hits YouTube and everything. But all right, three three questions. No random. No 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 wrong or right answer. All right. Um. What's the best birthday you've had thus far? K 
can it be this birthday coming? It can. Any birthday. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of Mary J. Blige. And um, I have three names because her and P. Diddy got three names. Sean, P. Diddy Combs, Mary J. Blige, Terrell T-Rex Simon. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of P. Diddy. That's why I was cracking up in the beginning when you said that. (laughs) Um, But my birthday is this this Thursday, November 18th. And I am going to spend the day with Mary J. Blige. There it is, y'all. y'all that there it is. Are you gonna hit? Are you gonna hit that dance that she does? That legendary dance y'all gonna be dancing? Yeah, I, I do all the dances. I'm from New York. You know what I'm saying? I got that swag. You know that's that New York swag. You know, and she can she get the dancing from Diddy. You know her and Diddy. You know that's just that bad boy era. That's just you know those moves. That's just that swag. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the best birthday. Not only am I gonna spend my birthday with her at the Barclays, she's in concert. Um. The next day, I'm going to the Soul Train Awards, mm-hmm. and then then the next day, I'm in concert here in New York City. So, um, I think this birthday coming is going to be the best one. Okay. I get to spend my birthday, the, the day of my birthday, with the Queen of Hip Hop and Soul. That's it's it. gonna be crazy. That, that's that's it. That's real. What would you consider? Question number two. What would you consider a good ass day for you? Like, literally, from the start time that you wake up to the time you close your eyes. Like, go to sleep the next, you know, that night. What would be a, a good day? Yes. Would be waking up. This is what I do. I only watch CNN. Turning on CNN. Sitting on my couch. um, With a table full of crawfish and mussels. Just laid back. Watching TV. That's, That's a great day that's it. That's simple. That's simple. That's simple. That's simple. Yeah, my manager said, oh, we, we know how to satisfy you. Crawfish and mussels. It's CNN. That's all he needs. Give him CNN, crawfish and mussels. He's all right. All right. Uh, what's the perfect temperature for you? Um, Not hot, not cold, in between. 75 degrees? Nah, we'll say 50. Oh, no, we couldn't be best friends. That's terrible. All right, last question. We I'm going to do fourth one. I'm going to do a fourth one. Um, what's the craziest fan moment uh, that you've had thus far? Craziest fan moment I've had thus far would be Kansas City. I'll never forget. Um, we had to, we were in concert, and I was with life, and we were walking to the stage, but we had to walk through the audience to get to the stage. And as we walking through the audience to get to the stage, this lady jumped in front of me and just started kissing, putting her tongue in my mouth and just Ooh. kissing me. Oh, stranger! Now that was the most craziest time because I was a background singer at the time, and I was just like, you know, you don't, you don't know, you don't understand that if you going some everywhere with somebody, that people are seeing you too. You know, mm-hmm. they see that one guy that's always with the guy. So that was crazy to me. Uh, and I, I and I couldn't stop it because I first, I was just like in shock first of all, and then like it just happened so quick. So that was the craziest thing. Walking through the audience, this lady just jumped out and just started kissing me. Okay. And all right, you know, let me hit it with number five. I'm gonna do number five. And I typically ask, <laughs> no, one more. Now, this is literally last one, okay? And I typically ask every one of my guests this, okay? Because I know you know that this is what makes you unique. What is a black movie? 
TV show or character that's popular in our community that you just don't really care for? Just give me one, because I got like 10. A black actor or comedy or comedian or something that I really just don't care for. Yeah, like a, mo- a movie that's pretty popular in our community, One a TV show character. Mm. Now that's the hard one. Um, that's popular in our community. What's that movie that just came out? Uh, with all the African um clothes, and the guy just died. That was the main character. I ain't talking about the guy, but that movie. Uh, hmm. Uh, and it was like black people and we were like action figures. Uh, let me action let figures. me let me Google. You said uh you said black Chikanda. action. Chikanda. And they were like Chikanda. What's that? Chikanda. What's that movie? I don't I don't know. I haven't. This just Chikanda. came out. It came out about two or three years ago. Conda and you know black people all day. Are you talk? Are you talk about? Are, wait, wait, are, wait. Oh shoot, shoot. You talk? You talking about? I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I, I, I haven't even watched that. I still haven't even watched that movie all the way through. So you know, I, I know I know what you're I know what you're talking about. It's called it's Black Panther. Black Panther. Black, yeah, Black Panther. And, but you know what? That's real. Cause let me tell you something. I don't like the movie Friday. So there it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you don't. Don't. Apo- but listen, T Rex. T Rex. T Rex. Don't apologize. That's what makes you unique. Because you're not gonna like everything. With that being said. Right. With that being said, we go. That's how we go end the show. Okay, we gonna end the Kendra, Kendra Crump show on that note. Um. I got your I got your information. You know, I'll put it all in the show notes. I do appreciate you, brother, for taking out this time, speaking with me, inform enlightening the people something that they did not know about you, something that they could learn. I think one of the main parts is like, man, keep God first. And God has really brought you through a lot and has helped and you. I appreciate you, man. This conversation was very therapeutic for me. Um you know you sometimes you, you just be so busy and mm-hmm. doing working and working and working and working you never really sometimes can sit back and listen and be like wow I went through that so this really just kind of like took me back all the way to the beginning of my career and um wow God is good I've come a long way man that's it amen to that well make sure you guys please support don't be in his DM asking him for money he ain't got it okay if you can ask for money you can go ask for a job with, with that being said that's what we go, we gonna end it on that no uh, women listen man he don't want no groupies he, he likes a wholesome woman okay if he don't want to be if he's not interested he's not interested okay no means no okay yes still means no no grabbing me and, and kissing me out the blue as I'm walking down the street. Don't do that. Like, have some self-respect, lady. All right, y'all. That is that has been another great episode of the Kendra Crumb Show. Uh, and we out. <laughs>